0: The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Amen. <clears throat> Thanks for the music. Thanks for enjoying uh, joining in on that. If you would turn to Acts chapter 8, a couple of weeks ago we had baptism out at the uh, uh a pond and we talked about some of the things we're going to talk about this morning but if you were there don't say well I heard that last a couple weeks ago that's not true because you didn't hear anything like this you just heard something out of the same passage we're going to be in Acts chapter 8 and we're going to talk about baptism this morning and baptism is a big deal Baptism uh, is a very big deal in the Ukraine. Most of the churches there don't have a water tank inside the building to baptize people, and the winters there are very cold. So. Uh, they only get to baptize once or twice a year. And on those days, the whole church loads up and goes out to a lake or to a river. And missionaries say they've seen many as 70 plus people a couple of times a year go out to this, uh, to the lake or to the, to the river. And, uh, they stand on the bank of the river waiting to be baptized. And each person, uh, goes into the river one at a time. And as they're baptized, and as they come up out of the water, the, the choir breaks into a chorus of praise. And following that, as they come up out of the, the river, the, uh, the whole church there greets them with hugs and kisses. They also give them a bouquet of flowers and a new Bible. And so that's kind of a picture of baptism in the Ukraine. So let's say it's a big deal but baptism is also a big deal here at East Delta. And, and any time that uh, someone accepts Christ, uh, the Bible says that heaven rejoices and there's a party in heaven, and then baptism moves on into that outward profession of, a, of, of an inward change. And this morning, if you would say, well, I, I know the, the, the symbolism of baptism. I've heard this before. I grew up understanding this. And uh, uh, I understand it's, uh, it's a picture of the burial and the resurrection and a new life. Well, that is great, but I want us to go beyond that this morning as we think about baptism and especially this morning as we uh, go through this ordinance of baptism here in just a few moments, I hope that you'll be reminded of some things and that's what I want us to talk about this morning. I want us to talk about some, some three things that's, uh, I, that makes baptism a big deal. And, and the first is this, and I hope, as I said, you'll be reminded of these things this morning as we uh, have baptism in just a moment. First, baptism is important because it reminds us of the Lord's love. Now, when someone's baptized, I don't know if we always think about that being a reminder of how much God loved us and how much the Lord loves us. But in today's scriptures, Acts chapter 28, now I'm not going to read verse 26 through 39. I'm not going to read those individually. You feel free to do that but uh, at one time. But individually, we're going to go back and look at them. So we are going to read this entire passage of Scripture, but not just as an opening. So uh, first of all, baptism is important because it reminds us of the Lord's love. That's, that's one of the things that I've always loved about the story that we find in Acts chapter 8. It's the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. And there's some implications in here that will remind us of the Lord's love. So first, let's back up to verse 8, uh, actually verse 5, 5 through 8. And uh, the way the Lord directed Philip to the Ethiopian, that's, that's the great part of this story. So we see this, and Philip went down to the, the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoke of by Philip, hearing and seeing miracles which he did, for the unclean spirits and crying with a loud voice came out of many who were there that were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. There's, there's this great revival going on. And as this great revival is going on in Samaria, we might have told Philip, you need to stay because he's in the midst of this great revival. So I think humanly speaking, we'd say, Philip, you are right where you need to be. But God cares about each individual. He cares about each of us as much as He cares about the crowd. So we see a picture that, that God's got a, this great revival going on. There's a huge crowd. The Bible says there's a multitude of people. So many so that the, there's great joy in the whole city. And God comes to them and, and he comes to Philip and, and he says, I care about one person as much as I care about this crowd. So the Lord uh, had another assignment for Philip in the midst of this revival. We see in verse 26, the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road, along the road which goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. Now think about what's happening here. Philip's in this city. There's a great revival going on. The whole town is rejoicing and kind of like us singing a while ago. Everybody's singing and the Spirit of the Lord is moving and we're we're just having a wonderful time and and the, the Lord says, Philip, I want you to go out to this desert. And in this desert... God says, I'm going to send you in a new direction. This desert place, it's, it's ordinary, uh, not only a desert, it's ordinarily deserted. But in this particular case, God knew that there would be a man, a man, on that road that day. And in the midst of this great revival, He said, I want you to go and, and, and I want you to put you in this right place at this right time. And, and you have a divine appointment with an Ethiopian. And and Philip Philip said Lord I'll go. I mean here's the amazing thing would would I not say Lord look what's going on right here? Why would you send me to a desert to see one guy when I have multitudes here? And I think the answer is this This reminds us of the Lord's love. It reminds us that He loves each of us. It also reminds us where the Bible says if we seek the Lord, we're going to find Him because God loved that one Ethiopian man just like He loves you and just like He loves me. And and He he said, I want you to go to this one person. And in a world of 8 billion people, it, it it may be easy to feel small and insignificant. In a world with so many big cities and so many big things, going on, and, and in a small town, we may feel insignificant, but we need to understand that God loves us, and God saw that one man and he saw that he was seeking answers in god 's word, and he, he loved that one man so much that it was important to to take Philip out of this setting of this revival and to send him on the road. I, I like this story. it was in Reader's Digest years ago. It was about a little town in Iowa called I'm a and at the time, only 80 people lived in Imogene, Iowa. Someone from Imogene put out a funny magazine once a month, and it was called the Imogene Hub. Now that's interesting because we have the Charleston Hub, don't we? So uh, maybe it was something like uh, the Charleston Hub. But but one one day in their little monthly magazine that they put out, it had in big headlines: Imogene Zoo closes. Underneath was the one-line story, the chicken died. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you may feel smaller than a one-chicken zoo, but, but remember this, you are important in God's eyes. Isn't that great? Have, have you ever let that sink in, that not the church, because you are the church, the body of Christ is the church, you as an individual... You're important in God's eyes. And when we think about baptism, remember the Lord's love that that you are important to Him. Just like this Ethiopian there, he was so important that God saw fit to, to whisk away Philip. That he might go and, and fulfill this divine appointment. At first glance, you might think this man, uh, from Ethiopia didn't even need the cross. Look at what we see in this, in this, uh, passage of scripture. It says he was a eunuch of great authority. This is verse 27 and 28. Under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all the treasury and had come to Jerusalem. Why? He came to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning home, and he was sitting in his chariot, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. So what we know about this man, he was a very rich man. He was a very powerful man. He was a leader in his country. He had almost everything the world could afford him. That's who That's who this eunuch was. Plus, on top of all that, he was a religious man. He had went to Jerusalem to worship, so so he was a religious man. He was even reading the Bible when Philip caught up with him, but his religion, wasn't enough to save him. His his money wasn't enough to save him. His position wasn't enough to save him. His power wasn't enough to save him. His prestige wasn't enough to save him. This man desperately needed Jesus Christ. And because he desperately needed what Jesus Christ had done on the cross for his sins and for our sins, and, and everybody desperately needs Jesus because of that fact, Jesus sent Philip verses 29 and 30, the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. Now this is interesting to me. I don't want to step on no toes, including my own. We have trouble going and and knocking on the door and telling someone about Christ, don't we? Or we have trouble having a conversation at, at Christmas with some of our family members about Christ. Look what Philip done he took off running. He is running beside a chariot. Now isn't that interesting? How many of you today if the Lord uh spoke to you and said, "Hey, uh there's a there's a car leaving that uh Charleston reunion. I want you to catch up with them and tell them about Christ." How many of you would put your uh would, would put your tennis shoes on and say, "I'm going to catch these folks." And that, and that's the picture we have and if they go very far they're going to be a lug the lord's going to have to stall their car for me to catch them but but philip ran ahead of him and began to listen to what he was reading and it says he was reading the prophet isaiah and as philip is trotting along beside the chariot philip says do you understand what you're reading philip philip was led by by god to the ethiopian in time to hear him reading this scripture. Here's the scripture he's reading in Isaiah 53. It's one of the most vivid descriptions of the Lord's suffering in the whole Bible. We find it in in verses 2 through 8 of Isaiah 53. And this is what it says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. Now, I want you to get this picture. Philip's trotting along or running along beside this chariot. And he hears this man read this, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of dry ground, he has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, those, there's no beauty that would make us desire him. He is despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. And he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded by our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And we all like sheep have gone astray and turned away each one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and the sheep before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison, from judgment, from whom will declare this generation. For he was cut off from the land of the living, and for the transgressions of my people he was stricken. <laughs> That passage is talking about Jesus Christ as he suffered, as he died for our sins. As, as we look at that, he has he taken a beating, and, and that beating would have killed most men. And, and he's reading that passage of Scripture, and, and Philip's running along beside, and, and he says, hey, as you read this, do you understand what you're reading? Do you know this person you're reading about? And, and the Ethiopian said, uh, well, can you explain it to me? And, and in verse 53, 4 through 6, it says, Surely he was bore our griefs and carried our sorrows that is standing him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The, the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him and by his stripes were healed. We've all gone astray like sheep. We've all turned our own way, each one of us. And the Lord has laid the sins or the iniquity on all of us. And as we read that passage of Scripture and we think about what He's reading, I hope that reminds us of what Christ has done for us on the cross. And this morning as we see baptism, that we would be reminded that that Jesus Christ loved us individually. And he, he took the, the sin of us individually and he, he took the punishment for that sin, the iniquities, the sins of us, and they were laid upon him. So, so this morning as we go through this time of baptism, I hope you'll be reminded of those things. Here's the second part and this moves right on in the story. It reminds us of caring Christians. I asked you a few weeks ago, uh, do you remember someone who, who helped you spiritually as you were a child or, or maybe even adult growing up? And, and I think we, we all thought of those people that that in our life. And as we look back, we think of those those people who have who have helped mentor us, those people that's helped us grow in Christ. And and I hope this morning, as we think about ta- baptism, it will remind us of that caring Christian. Philip's a great example of that. Philip really cared Verse 27, he cared enough to obey God and go out into the desert. I mean, he cared enough. Then the Spirit said, go near and take over the chariot. He cared enough that he, he ran ahead of the chariot. I mean, go and take over the chariot. He, he had to catch it and he had to pass it. He had to get up there to it. And, and he cared enough to do that. And, and think about this. Care, Philip cared enough that he, he ran for the Lord. He loved the Lord and he loved people and he, he took off and he ran and chased that down. I want you to think about those caring people that, that have, have ran for you. <coughs> those caring people that, that have obeyed the Lord and, and they, they loved you enough and they loved the Lord enough that they, that they cared. This morning as we see baptism, I hope you'll be reminded of those caring Christians. The Ethiopian, he was from another country. He was from another race. He was from another social class. But you know what? Philip outran all of those things, all of those hindrances, because his desire was to share the good news about Jesus Christ. I told you all a few weeks ago, really by the grace of God, I've been able to go and see those barriers cross. Ciudad Acuna was a place that I'm reminded of the most, and the only reason I was there is because there were some loving Christians that cared enough to send our youth group they cared enough to, to make arrangements, they cared enough to make donations that we were able to to send our youth group and, and we were able to go down and, and learn a, a puppet ministry and and uh, in Spanish and we, we were it's a long story, I don't want to tell you all about it, but but through that we were able to go into the the, the city squares and, and set up a stage and, and have a puppet ministry and we would go out and pass out flowers and all of these little children would come and the interesting thing is after the first day there were more adults there than children and they would line up and they would sit around and and they would listen to the gospel of jesus christ through these puppets and and through that we were able to go and and do a vacation bible school in the evenings and invite all those children to come to vacation bible school and and then we were able to get up and give a message have any of y'all ever talked with a translator it's kind of awkward because if, if all y'all would just for a moment imagine everybody focus your eyes here and I'm over here and I'm talking and everybody's looking over there at the translator. It's kind of awkward because you're, you're like, hey, up here, I'm over here. And, and the great thing was you would speak and then you look. And then he'd speak and they'd go, Amen. You're like, Hey, that's me. You're giving him the amens over here. No, I'm just kidding. But, but you know, the, the Lord was able to take those barriers. And he was able to take uh, these words that he had and that, that a, a person was uh, to just to say and he was able to translate those into Spanish and they were able to be heard by a congregation and people were able to respond. And it was so amazing how God was, allowed me to cross those barriers and he allowed our youth group to cross over those barriers that we might tell people about Jesus Christ. And that's what Philip had. He, he crossed all of those barriers and he cared enough that he said, you know what, these barriers are not going to stop me because God has led me and he's called me in verse 30 and 31 Philip ran to him heard him reading the prophet Isaiah said to him do you understand what you're reading and he said how can I understand and says someone would guide me and he said to Philip will you come in and would you sit with me and listen to this Philip cared enough that he was prepared the Bible says, in your heart set apart Christ as Lord and, and always be prepared to give an answer to those who ask you for the hope that you have. So Philip said, he'd get there, he answered and said, uh, uh, do you understand who you're talking about? And Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture in Isaiah, he, pre- he preached Jesus Christ to this man. I hope this morning as we see this, uh, this baptism, you'll be reminded of those people who really care. And you'll be reminded of those Christians and God's desire that we would care and that we would proclaim His gospel. Here's the last thing this morning. Baptism reminds us of the Lord's love. It reminds us of caring Christians. It also reminds us of the miraculous meeting in salvation. I don't miss this, the miraculous meeting in salvation. This meeting between Philip and the Ethiopian unit, it would never have happened without a miracle from God. It would, it would have never happened. In verse 35 through 39, we see more details about this. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus Christ. And now as they went down the road, they came to some water. Where were they at? Y'all remember? They were in a desert place. Isn't that just another miracle of God? As they, As they're going along, they come across some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's some water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then Philip answered and said, if you believe with all your heart, folks, the first step in salvation is belief. Baptism is not the saving factor, it's believing. That was Philip's answer. If you believe with all your heart, then you may be. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. And now when they came up out of the water, look at this next miracle. The spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, but he went on his way rejoicing. Isn't that amazing? Do you read that and think about what's happening here? The This guy comes running along beside your chariot. You're just sitting there reading. All of a sudden, the guy says, Hey, man, do you even understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, Well, if somebody explained it to me, I would. Philip gets in. They ride. He explains about it. The eunuch says, Hey, I believe Jesus Christ is the Lord. I want to ask Him into my heart. There's some water. Can I be baptized? He's baptized, and Philip's gone. And the eunuch just gets back in his uh, chariot and goes along rejoicing. He's just happy that, that, that the Lord has, has sent someone, and as the Lord sent someone, He accepted him as a personal Savior. He was baptized. He goes on His way rejoicing. Verse 40 says that Philip was found in Zodas a little while later. So, so God says, you know what? About 20 miles from here, Philip, I have something else for you to do. And just to get that picture that, that there was a miraculous meeting with the Lord. And there's countless testimonies of how God has worked in mysterious ways to bring people to Him. And, and you might not have that type of testimony. You might not have that type of testimony that, that says, you know, this happened and this happened and this happened. And through all of those chains of events, there, there was a time that I met the Lord. But you know what the greatest miracle is here? It's not that, that the, that the, that Philip ran and met the Ethiopian. It's not all of those things. The greatest miracle is when the Ethiopian met our Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. That's the greatest miracle that, that the Lord worked through the circumstances that he would present, be presented to him as the Lord and Savior. This morning, I want you to think about that. When you receive Jesus Christ, if you've received Him as, as your Savior, think about that miraculous appointment that took place. At some point that day, you got up. Maybe you were a child and your parents had to wrestle you out of bed and and throw some cereal down and and get you dressed and rush to school, uh, rush to church and and dragged you the whole way and griped at you right up to the front door. You made me late and you won't get up and you got to get up when you get out of bed. When I say get up, get up right then and you've made us late, that's what my mom done to me because I always stayed into that last few seconds of sleep. You go through all of those processes, and that day the choir got up and they sang a few songs, and maybe somebody got up and prayed a couple of times, and the preacher got up and started to preach a message, but something happened. In the midst of that message, you begin to feel the Spirit of God working within you. And an invitation came, and you felt some kind of tug within your heart. And as you felt that tug, you all of a sudden realized, you know what? Something happening and the Spirit of God's moving within my heart and, and I feel something that I've never felt before and, and I want to respond to this. Maybe you were at home and, and you was reading a Bible story with your mom and your dad and, and all of a sudden you begin to think, you know what? I've never accepted Christ. I want you to get the picture of this. The Bible says none come to Christ unless we're drawn by the Spirit of God. You know what the miracle is? It's when the Spirit of God comes alongside us and, and begins to woo us and begins to call us into Himself. That's the miracle of salvation to think about the God, the Creator of the world, the Creator of the universe, the the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And at some point, He's called you. He wanted you to be set apart for His purpose. And through that miracle, He began to woo you unto Himself. This morning, as we think about baptism, as we see that, I I hope you'll be reminded that time that the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit of God begin to speak to you and begin to call you unto Himself. Baptism—it is a symbol this morning. It's a symbol of of our death, our burial, our resurrection of a of a new life. An old life has passed away. A new life has begun. It's a symbol of the washing away of our of our sins, but not through water—not some Delta County water that we have up here. But but it's a symbol of the washing of the word. Listen to this: John fifteen three. This is on the night before Jesus had died on the cross. <clears throat> he told his disciples, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Later on, Paul is talking in Ephesians five twenty-five through 27. He talks about this, husband, love your wife just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of water by his word. That he might present himself to her a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy and without blemish. The spiritual water of God's word, it it is what cleanses us. It's what washes away our sins. But most of all, our sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. We sing a song sometime, what can wash away my sins? nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. When we think about baptism this morning, I hope you'll be reminded of our Lord's love for us. I hope you'll be reminded of of caring Christians, and I hope you'll be reminded of that miraculous meeting that you've had with the Lord. Would you bow with me for prayer Father, this morning as we look into your word, I pray today that we would be reminded those who have accepted you as their personal Savior, those who have been born again into your family, those who have been baptized, Lord, I, I pray that we'd be reminded this morning of your love for us individually, that you, you would leave the crowd, that you'd leave the revival in the city of joy to meet us in our dry desert place. Father, I pray that we'd be reminded of those Christians, those caring Christians that are about your business. And Lord, that we would be reminded that you desire that we would too be part of that group of caring Christians. Father, I pray today as we go through this time of baptism that we'd be reminded of that miraculous meeting. Not a thousand miles away in Mexico, but Father, that day that you saw us you saw us formed and made in our mother's womb. You you knew there was a day that you would call to us and talk and speak with us. Father, I, I pray that we'd be reminded of that miraculous time, that your spirit began to call us and we begin to respond in obedience to your call. Lord, I pray it'd be a reminder today. And Lord, I pray now as we have a, a short invitation, Father, I pray if there'd be any here today that, you know they don't they don't have that memory, but but right now they had a divine appointment at this second, at this hour, at this day, at this time, that they met the Savior. Lord, I pray as we have this invitation that we would come just as we are, just as the unit came. He he didn't have to understand all the Scripture and all the questions, but he simply needed to understand that Jesus Christ paid the price for our sin. And and that was enough. Lord, I pray today, just as we are, would respond to your invitation. Lord, I pray now as we move to this time of invitation, I pray that your spirit would move within our spirits and we would respond to your call in Jesus' name. I want to ask you to stand if we'd just be in a spirit of prayer, bow your heads, each of us, and would you just ask the Holy Spirit would be a reminder today of of the love that God had for you individually, that you'd be reminded of those faithful Christians that's been a part of your spiritual life and and have helped you move to this point. Would you, would you just be this morning reminded that there's a miraculous meeting that's taken place in your life and maybe in somebody's life today, and would you just lift up a prayer of praise, a prayer of thanksgiving, and a prayer for those around you that they'd respond however the Spirit would lead. We're going to have One verse of invitation, if no one's comes, we'll close at that point. But the the invitation says this, just as I am, without one plea. But I come simply on the fact that Jesus' blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God, I come to you, just as I am. Just as I am, without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Father, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you, Father, that uh, as the song we sing, you leave the ninety and nine to come for the one. Father, I thank you for that day that you came for me. I, I know, Father, there's many here that would th- right now would just say thank you, Lord, for that day that that you saw me and you knew me and you called me. And, and, Father, I pray today as we go on through this time of baptism now that we would be reminded it would be a great day for this family. I thank you, Father, for... Godly family that's raised this young man with a foundation to build a life upon, Lord. Father, I pray that your spirit would continue to move within our hearts, within our spirits. Lord, that we would be where you'd have us to be, and I pray this in the name of Jesus.